about the way that the wise men are uh, projected, if you like, in our tradition. Um, three kings on three camels, and it's on most of the Christmas cards, isn't it? It's the way you see it. And even our thing for the children this morning, um, the wise men was a big, big thing. And we shouldn't minimize what they did and why they did it and the reasons they did it and all of that. And it's a wonderful example for us. And so I'm going to take a look at that this morning and I want you to hang in with me, if you will, while I talk about uh, the nativity and then talk about the wise men because they were two completely separate events recorded by two separate apostles. And so we need to look at them separately and that's what we're going to do this morning. So join with me in prayer if you would. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to carefully consider what you say and why you say it and how important it is to us that we recognize the truth behind what you say and the actions that you record so that we fully understand exactly what it is that you want us to know about your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we can think about um, the Nativity and it's a lovely, lovely story. And you've got to think about what Luke was doing here. If you read the first chapter of Luke, he talks about the family. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the family. He's talking about Elizabeth. He's talking about John the Baptist, the one that's coming to prepare the way of the Lord. And he's talking about Mary. And he's talking about the Holy Ghost coming upon her and the virgin birth and so on. And he's talking about all those things. And so Mary and Joseph, they have to follow a program that is set out before them. Because this is the Lord that's coming. This is Messiah. This is born of a virgin. This is fulfilling all of the prophecies concerning him. And so we see Mary and Joseph, they're living in Nazareth. Not living in Bethlehem. They're living in Nazareth, okay? This is, the, this is where the family comes from. And so they go, and they have to be taxed. So they have to go to Bethlehem. And, you know, that's Joseph's history. And so they go to Bethlehem. No room in the end. Love that picture of, of the, the, the normalness, if you like, of them as a family. They were not a wealthy family. Uh, they would have stayed at the inn, but they couldn't. And the proclamation about the birth is not made to Herod and the palace and the wise men and the religious people of the day. There's no religious people involved. Shepherds. Wonderful. And so the shepherds come and they worship. And then the story goes on. And Luke continues to say, well, what happened then? Well, they stayed. He was circumcised the eighth day, which is the tradition. And then they, had, they could not go to the temple until the days of purification were over for Mary. And when that was done, then they could go and make the offering. And that was tradition, that the Jews would go to the, to go to the temple as they did every year, they pretty much every year they went to Jerusalem for the Passover, they would go to the temple and they would make an offering for the male child because that was Jewish tradition. So they go to the temple and they make the offering and they make Simeon's day. Simeon can die a happy man. He has seen the salvation of Israel. He's seen the salvation of the Jews, the salvation of the Gentiles. This is Messiah. 
And so it's a wonderful picture of the revelation of God through an individual that this is, this is the one. And it says then afterwards, after they, they went well, then they went home. Not to Bethlehem. <laughs> they didn't live in Bethlehem. Where did they live? Nazareth, yeah. And so they, now, what we have to understand is that there was some things not in this story. There's no supernatural star in this story. There's no wise men in this story. There's no Jerusalem being turned upside down and troubled. There's no mention of Herod apart from that he was on the throne. And so this whole issue about where they collide, the wise men and Jesus, is told in a different narrative. And so we have to look at that. We have to go to Matthew. Now, the first chapter of Matthew, what is the first, I mean, there's a test for you now, a Bible test. What does the first part of chapter 1 in Matthew talk about? The genealogy. Yeah. He's looking at things from a completely different perspective. God is instructing him to write, this is the kingly line. And Matthew is all about history. It's all about the kingly line. It's all about chasing what is to happen through the ages. And that the, the Christ will be born of a virgin. And all of that will be fulfilled. And then we come to chapter 2. And we'll talk about in the days of Herod the king. Now I think this is fascinating. We have a western perspective and in our, in our Western perspective, Christ is born on December the 25th. I'll tell you now, if you go to Persia and further east, he's born in January. Same, same situation, different tradition. And now we have scholars arguing about whether Jesus was born 3 BC or 4 BC. <laughs> Don't know. What we do know, we do know, that he was born in the days of Herod the king. That much we know. And so knowing that, okay, now we see these are wise men coming from the east. Now the whole description of wise men is an interesting description. Uh, in the east they're called magi. In the eastern tradition there's 12 of them. And you go, but we've only got three. Well, no, you haven't got three. How many wise men were there? We don't know. They brought three gifts. And it's nice, isn't it? You know, you think about it. I love those cards, you know. <laughs> and in a nativity scene, you buy a nativity scene and you'll get everything, won't you? You get the shepherds and you get Mary and Joseph. You get three kings and, and so on. Three and it's lovely. I don't look, I don't have anything wrong. With, you know. But that does not reflect what the Bible says. And so I think it's our responsibility to understand what the Bible says and why it says it. So, when they come, okay, they come and they have come from the east and you have to understand who they are. Now, the, the, uh, there was a, a carol, We Three Kings of Orina, you probably remember that one. Um, and in the east they were seen as being kings or at least very, very important people. So however many they were, they were very important people. We also know that the Magi were scholars. They were um, 
involved in mathematics, they were involved in physics, they were involved in astronomy, and they researched and researched. They loved the old text. There's no doubt they had some of the scrolls from the Holy Scriptures, from the Old Testament. And so they knew something. But now the whole supernatural event of the wise men is a fascinating story. They saw his star in the east. Why did they recognize that the star was important? We don't actually have that piece of information. But they, because they understood that this star just suddenly appeared. And stars don't do that. If you studied astronomy, they don't do that. And certainly they don't move. <laughs> well, they will through time, but they don't. You don't follow them. You tried following a star, it's not going to happen. This is a supernatural event, and, it's a, it, and God created this for a purpose, that these men would know that this was something special that was happening. It's a, it, they knew that prophecy was being fulfilled. Messiah had come, the king of the Jews. They knew that they knew that it was through the Jews, God's chosen people, that Messiah would come. And so we've got to, we've got to go. We must, we've got to do. God's calling us and telling us we've got to go. Now, I, I, when I, I've done research about what caravans used to look like, and it depended where the caravan came from. Now, if it came from uh, Arab countries, Yes, there'd be camels. But you go further east, you won't find camels in India, and you won't find them in China. So I don't know what they came on. Probably horses, because that's typically what they did. And we know that there was a whole lot of them. This is not three guys on camels turning up in Jerusalem and knocking on Herod's door. This is a big event. And so it cost them a lot to come. They didn't just... <laughs> And they didn't just go, let's go. You know, this is something that they needed to do because God had told them, this is so important, you have to go. And you have to see the king. And you have to recognize who he is. And you have to make this announcement, you know, to the whole of the people that are around there. And so we see what happens. They followed. And they arrived in Jerusalem. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, Herod, and scribes, the people together, he demanded, where would Christ be born? And it's interesting, isn't it? They knew this. There's no mention, there's no mention back in Luke about the fact that, you know, the Messiah would be born in, in Bethlehem. No mention of it at all. And yet the holy people, the scribes and the Pharisees, they knew this. They knew, this, yeah, they knew the prophecies. They knew the scriptures. And they said unto him, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and so on, that it would be from Bethlehem. And this is where the ruler would come from. Now, it's interesting that the wise men didn't know this. If they'd have known it was Bethlehem, why would they have gone to the palace? Got to use some logic here. No. What, well, the star had gone. They followed the star, and they followed the star, and they followed the star, and that was their lifeblood. This is, we follow this star. We know that this is what we're supposed to do. We have to follow this star. We have to follow it. We have to follow it. It's gone. Now what do we do? Well, we know that he would be king of the Jews. So where would the king of the Jews likely be born? Jerusalem. 
let's go to Jerusalem, let's go to the palace and knock on the door. Now, this is not three kings on camels knocking at the door. They wouldn't have made any impact. Herod would have been, probably not even have seen. This is a huge caravan of important people, strange people, foreign people, and everybody was looking. It was like the Santa Parade. I tell you, the people going, look, look, look. We know this because, well, it turned the, everything upside down. <laughs> and so when the prophecy was established and they said to Herod, look, it's got to be Bethlehem. That's where, that's the kingly line. That's where the king is going to come from. That's where it's going to happen, where Messiah is going to come from. We know this. So Herod calls the wise men, and I love this. It says, and he acquired them diligently. That's a very interesting word. When they translated that, they, they tried to find an English word that would capture the meaning. This was so intense. They, he wanted to know every single tiny detail. Why? Because he wanted, he loved the competition and he wanted to worship the king. No. <laughs> he wanted to know every detail and he wanted to know when. When did the star appear? And then he went, you go find the child and you go and search. I've got to know. This is something I've got to know. I've got to know where this child is. And so he sent them to Bethlehem. Interesting that we don't know how long the wise men were on the road. What we do know is that it took them a long time to get there and we don't know where they came from. But it says they came from the east. And it's interesting that uh, Eastern tradition says that actually they probably came from China, which is kind of, I don't know whether that's true, but it, we have different traditions. We have English traditions. <laughs> and if you're English, you know that, you know, Jesus was born in England, and it's just the way it is, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, they sing Jerusalem, and, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's as good as the Bible in terms of where Jesus came from. But we have Western tradition. We don't have it. But if you follow Eastern tradition, it's, it's fascinating. You know, there are, there are all kinds of stories about Christ. We had the privilege of, of working with Iranian refugees. And they have a fast, because they're Muslim, and so they have a picture which is from Mohammed's time. But they recognize all the Old Testament characters, and they recognize the Old Testament history. And this is in Persia. So, you know, you never called an Iranian an Arab, or he's likely to hit you. Uh, it's like, like Welshmen being called English. No, sorry, don't do it. You know, so we know, okay, we know that the further east you go, the tradition changes again. Anyway, the wise men came from a long way away, and we know it was an up to a two-year journey. We know that because... When they heard the king, they left, and they left going which way? South to Bethlehem. So they're heading towards Bethlehem. It says, and lo. I love that little word, lo. You know what that means? We go, look! 
<laughs> look, look, look. The star. The star. Star they seen in the east. And it went before them. Now, where are Mary and Joseph? Two and a half years or two years after Bethlehem? They're in Nazareth. That's north. <laughs> they followed this. They were, and it's, look, it says, and they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. They were absolutely thrilled. We know we're going in the right direction. <laughs> this is God telling us where to go. And it doesn't matter how far it is. It doesn't matter where it is. We need to go where God tells us to go. And isn't that a wonderful story for us? Wonderful story for us. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child and they fell down and worshipped him. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, I understand that, you know, we love our traditions and we, you know, we struggle perhaps to, to break them down into what goes on. But we need to know why, why did they come? Well, first of all, they turned Jerusalem upside down. They troubled Herod, they troubled the wise men, they troubled uh, the population of Jerusalem. This was a big deal. And then they went and found the Messiah. And they were determined. And they were wise in what they were trying to do. They wanted to do what God told them to do. God said, you go and you worship. And they didn't matter what it cost. It didn't matter what was involved. And they came in and they fell down and worshipped him because here is the saviour of the world. Here is the fulfilment of the prophecy. A child but a king. And they knew. They knew that salvation had to come via the Messiah. And so they worshipped him. And when we stop and think about what the cost was here, now I know they were, they were undoubtedly wealthy men, but they gave up everything. And they went on possibly a four or five year journey because that's what God told them to do. And nothing was going to stop them from going to worship. And, and so when we think about them, we think about what they gave up and what they did and the importance of what it was that they wanted to do. And remember, they rescued uh, Joseph and Mary and, and the baby Jesus because they were, gave them the wherewithal that they could flee to Egypt and live, uh, live comfortably until the danger was passed. So I'm quite sure, I know that Herod killed all the children in Bethlehem and all around Bethlehem under two years old. Because he was, wanted to know when the star appeared. And so after that, kill all the children under two years old. And Bible prophesied that that would happen and that there'd be a wailing in, 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 in the area because of all the children killed. The service that they performed was twofold. First of all, it was there that Christ might be saved. 
And so the whole purpose of them coming there was to give the wherewithal to Mary and Joseph that they would be saved. But secondly, it was to cause the religious people of the day to really stop and consider what was going on. And it's interesting when we get further down the track, we see perhaps the influence of this revival of what is going on here, that the Messiah has come. And when John the Baptist starts preaching, preparing the way for the Lord, I know this is some 30 odd years later, but nevertheless this is started, I think, when the wise men came to Jerusalem. This whole thing starts. And the whole of Jerusalem troubled by their visit. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. They had faith. They believed. They wanted to come. They wanted to serve. They wanted to do what God wanted them to do. And isn't that a wonderful picture for us? And we stop and think about, what is it that God wants me to do? And what's it going to cost? And it doesn't matter what it's going to cost. It's our reasonable service to do what God wants us to do. And we should pray believing and understanding. And we can't, we can't take the situation, well, the world says this. And again, look, I'm not knocking tradition. <laughs> you can have all the traditions you like, all right? Um, but that is, to a certain extent, the world's interpretation. We should look and see, what does God want us to do? And this is a wonderful example that we need to be acceptable to God in our service and in our faith. The wise men knew what they wanted and they made that commitment to whatever it took, whatever it takes, we're going to go and do it. We're going to follow that star and we're going to do what God has told us to do and we're going to find the king and we're going to worship him because that's what we're supposed to do. Couldn't help but thinking about this verse. <laughs> Knocking, asking, seeking. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Uh, you know, aren't we supposed to be in our Christian walk? I liked the message last week. I thought that was terrific. Be still. Take some time out. Stop and think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And what does the Lord want us to do? Now, I'm not saying that we should all go overseas and, and serve the Lord overseas and so on. But it's what people have done. People have been called to the mission field and they've gone and served and witnessed and that's a wonderful thing. But there's nothing wrong with serving in your own community. What does God want in, in the community? What can I do? How can I be a blessing? How can I grow in grace and grow in understanding? What does God want me to do? And let me see if I can find out what he wants. And... It's a family thing, isn't it? I love this in Joshua, you know. Choose this day what you do. <laughs> and every day is a choice. What does God want me to do today? How does God want me to serve today? And we'll serve the Lord. And I am sure that the whole thinking of the wise men was all about what does the ancient of days want us to do? He wants us to go. He wants us to find Messiah. He wants us to worship at his feet. And this is an important thing for us to do. And they were obedient, regardless of the cost. And a wonderful example for us. Um, so don't 
lose sight of the wise men at Christmas because it's easy to do. We go, three kings on camels, good night. And that's not it, is it? It's a bit more than that. And so I love them and I love what they did and, and we don't know enough about them. And I've enjoyed studying a bit more about the Magi and really what they, what they were like. But these were real people taking four years out of their life to go and do what God had called them to do. And it's a wonderful example for us. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the example and the commitment of these men and to travel dangerous roads, dangerous times, and yet to, to do what you called them to do, that they might fall at the feet of that child, the one who has come to save the world. And Lord, we, we love our Lord and our Savior and all he has done for us. Help us, Father, to have faith and to look to you to see what we can do to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.